It's live. The show is live, everybody. Welcome to I Am Outraged. I'm back on the internet. Uh, slight break between podcasts, but uh, happy to be back with a solo show. And today I brought on one of my favorite analysts in the entire community because I had to do this for my first episode. It's like I can't do a live broadcast and start off episode one without going to my favorite guy in the industry. So let's bring him on right now. Russell J. Clay in the house, everybody. Obviously, everybody knows Russell Clay writes for Fantasy Guru, does fantasy football content, does NFL draft content. Find him on Twitter at Russell J. Clay. What is up to everybody in the chat? Thank you guys, uh, man, for showing up tonight. Thank you for the shout outs on the intro. Uh, My man, Cody over here. Um, Big thank you to everybody. So brand new show. Lots of lots of tricks um, up my sleeve that I'm going to run this episode, man. But Russ, thank you so much for coming on, man. We're, you know what this feels like right now? This kind of feels like when Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser first got onto Around the Horn. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. I'm getting that vibe that, that strange things are going to happen. There's going to be funny anecdotes and great analysis. So here we are. We made it. We're it's, in the house. It's gonna we be got vibing. That opening was vibing. Thanks, man. That uh, that's a custom instrumental. And of course, if you guys notice the background, there's a lot of Easter eggs in that intro. By the way, for the people that didn't really take in the full nuance of what was going on out there, I saw a couple people commenting calling it the Jetsons. Uh, there was flying cars. Yes, there were flying cars out there. That's because nobody's ever actually seen what's outside my window. So for all you know, that is the world that exists outside of this room right now, Russ. Um, listen, I, as the first episode, one thing I definitely want to say to the audience, if you guys notice things, help me get this show dialed in because I've got a lot of shit that's about to happen. And if you notice sound wise, uh, video wise, chat wise, let me know. Uh, cause I'm trying to curate a perfect show here. I think I need this thing to be flawless. So I need the help of everybody. Um, Russ, I, I, I want to give people sort of the backstory on you and I and the reason why I brought you on for the first episode of the show. Russ and I, man, we, we go way back. I don't know when our first back and forth on social media was, but is it at least 10 years ago? Gotta be. Gotta be. And let's just say to the viewers, Russ Clay drank a lot of kickstarts while uh, talking with Nate about college prospects that's uh that's where we grinded out and first started hanging out really i mean we were always friendly on twitter and then we started to dm and and talk about prospects and kind of say hey i feel like there's a better way to kind of figure this stuff out and then you know now we've kind of evolved into actually just like friends that kind of meet up sometimes so there yeah you go. man every time i go to arizona i go to meet russ uh it's always a good time And most of you guys know this, but Russ and I were the starters, the originators of the Breakout Finder, right? That's where all that came from. Russ and I, uh, you know, going back and forth, adding prospects to a massive database, which has (laughs) since been handed off to the guys at Player Profiler, and they're clearly doing incredible things with it, well beyond what I think we ever even envisioned for it. So pretty amazing to see it take off like that. Now, guys, people are probably like, why is the show called I'm Outraged? Well, obviously, my handle on social media is at an outraged Jew. 
But for the people that are the real OGs of my audience that have been with me since the very beginning, a lot of those guys will know that I used to do a video cast called I'm Outraged. And this is just a kickstart, a rebuild, a rebirth of that original show. And I just wanted to give myself a lot of range, a lot of dynamic capability on the show, which we're going to definitely put to the test at some point, Russ. So I appreciate everybody in the chat. Now, my question for the chat is, I've been clicking on stuff. Are you guys seeing the comments in the chat? I've clicked on Troy Lewis here. If you're in the chat right now, do you see this? It looks blank. Is it blank? He's just distinguishing. He's establishing dominance. T is, is establishing dominance right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is ridiculous. The The comments are not showing up clearly. Uh, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to go handle these problems at some point. So Russ, let's dive into it. We're going to have to deal with the comments at another time. Right off the bat though, Russ, what I definitely wanted to talk to you about and one of my favorite parts about what it is that you do in the fantasy football space is I look at you like a historian, truthfully. Like there's not a lot of guys in the fantasy football space that truly care about the data history of production of how these players got here, whether it's from the college level to the NFL, whether it's in the NFL level and how they went from, you know, being a relative unknown to prominence and you do it so well and you chart it and you do heat maps and stuff like that. And I'm a big fan of it. And one thing that constantly comes up is this over assumption that guys that are wide receivers, especially first round draft picks, even or any wide receiver for that matter, in year one are going to have this explosive career right off the bat, but that is proven through history to not actually be true. Is that correct? That is correct. And so there are wide receivers who break out in year one, but we have to understand that this is kind of like a roulette wheel. We always know there's going to be some guys that hit early, um, but career trajectories look, there's a wide variance of how players develop that comes down to skill set, injuries, player situation, quarterbacks. And, you know, that's kind of where the base of my research and my sort of football life comes in of like adding the context, um, to historical situations and, and kind of showing how we can actually use that moving forward rather than just making the same mistakes over and over again, uh, which, you know, we're much more efficient as a fantasy landscape than we were a decade ago. I will tell you that. And 20 years ago, you know, uh, we were drafting off the, the draft magazines and people were picking players who were out for the season in their fantasy drafts. We're obviously much evolved from there, but there's still a lot of logic that, uh, could be improved upon. I mean, I, I looked back at guys drafted since the year 2000. And, and when we look at Thousand-yard seasons, just thousand-yard seasons from wide receivers dating back to year 2000. Russ, do you know how many guys, I'm sure you do, have, as a rookie, posted a thousand-yard season? Well, actually, the, the data sets I use are only 800 total yards because it's so hard. It's such a high standard to have a guy hit a thousand yards, and you wouldn't think that. Yep. Because you look at Jamar Chase, you look at Justin Jefferson, and these guys are the assholes making everyone else look terrible. Because you look at a Devontae Smith who had 900 yards last year, and you're like, oh, he had a mediocre rookie year. And then it's me standing in the in the window shouting in 
the the room like no he had a great rookie year yes. what are you looking at Yes. Um, so I don't know the answer. What is the answer? Well, the answer to the question, if we're looking at drafted players, is 14 players since year 2000 have posted 1,000 yards as a rookie. So I think a lot of people, if you would have asked them that question, they would have given you a number twice that size because they think it happens so often or it's such an achievable stat. And I like what you do by taking it down to an 800-yard threshold because, yeah, you gate out so many. I mean, guys look at what Jamar Chase did. They look at what Justin Jefferson did. I think they forget what Odell Beckham did. I mean, what Odell Beckham did in, what, 12 games was off the charts. I mean, that's an unreasonable expectation. And we know what the 2014 class did for years to come. But I want to go over some of the wide receivers in this class because when we look back at the data, I think the expectation for these guys right now is is incredibly high, even from a pure target opportunity conversation. Um, again, I look back at the last 10 years, um, only 26 wide receivers have seen 100 targets as a rookie. So again, not a very high likelihood that that's even going to happen. So when we look at some of these rookies in this class, like a guy like Drake London, for example, what, what is an expectation in this Atlanta offense for him in year one? So I think we can look at him and say, all right, first wide receiver drafted in a class is a good signal. Top 10 pick, good signal. Relatively productive at USC with the context of having Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown, a little teammate score action there. Shout out to Breakout Finder. Check that out. Um, but you know, when you look at his profile, he does profile well. Wasn't my favorite prospect. He's not close to Jamar Chase, just not even in the same stratosphere. But he's a guy where I think we could see year one opportunity. And this is where I think people get caught up um, and like, oh, first round pick, uh, instant opportunity. Uh, I would say instant snaps. Uh, but not necessarily instant fantasy relevance. So he's a guy I think can get into year one uh, relevance. However, that injury, we got to keep an eye on that. If he starts out the year slow, he might be one of those guys that breaks out late in the year, maybe has a nice five or six game stretch to end the year or something like that. Um, but yeah, with this injury, we might have to keep expectations low for the first half of the year. I mean, Atlanta last year trailed on 56% of their snaps in 2021. And for context, a team like Buffalo only trailed on 26%. So we know that Atlanta is going to be forced to move the ball. They're going to be trailing. Of course, this injury is something to consider. But when I look at teams like that, those are the teams where I can make the argument where there's not a lot of weapons in Atlanta. I can make the argument that if anybody's going to break that ceiling of 100 targets, which, uh, you know, another example is over the last 21 years, only 41 players have broken 100 targets. I can see a world, and again, we're 17 game seasons now, which has got to drive you nuts. As the guy who's been looking at data sets that were 16 games forever now they add another game in and eventually they're probably going to add an 18th game into the season i mean are you just recalibrating for all of this you know what i'm doing right now for this year i'm just putting the blinders on keeping moving forward as i always do and then eventually we're just going to have to deal with the absolute annoyance that this is going to cause yes this is this is a bane of my life right now because you know we used a thousand receiving yards in a season was always arbitrary. 
but now we're getting to actually visualize how arbitrary it is. Cause what, what is a thousand receiving yards? It's like 60 yards a game in a 16 game season. And then players miss games. So some guys are averaging more, some guys are averaging less. So if you really want to get into the weeds and all this stuff, you can join me or you can just let me spit out the data and take that and not have to worry about any of that. So that's my, that's my perspective as a, as a fantasy analyst, like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. Let me spit out the data. And then you don't have to worry about that. Well, okay. So here's another name. And I think right now this name is a hell of a lot more polarizing than Drake London. And that's Traylon Burks because we're seeing Traylon Burks. There's been a lot of turncoat analysis going on out there. There's been a lot of guys that loved him through the process. And then, you know, we've seen him. He's playing late into these preseason games. And there's been, you know, coach speak from Mike Vrabel that isn't very positive or reinforcing for him. So a guy like that in a already low-volume offense with a guy like Robert Woods, who by all accounts is coming back healthy, what's the consideration for a guy like Traylon Burks in year one? So here's my problem. And the data suggests, right, that most wide receivers who are going to be great do produce some type of production in year one. And I'm not here to dispute that. But what I am here to dispute is that there will always be outliers. And why am I going to ignore a good prospect profile just because year one didn't happen? We know there's a spectrum of year one, year two, year three, year four. And in De Devontae Parker's uh, situation, year five, we know there are breakouts later in careers. When I look at Devontae Adams, year two, he was one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL that doesn't change. He was immense at Fresno State. He was a second-round pick despite not being a Power 5, um, you know, conference guy. And he turned into one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So, like, if you want to just say I'm only going to be drafting guys who break out in year one, like, that's fine with me. I'm, I am always going to take these huge discounts in deeper Dynasty roster leagues uh, and say, all right, Devonte Adams stunk in year one. He stunk in year two or Jordy Nelson terrible through three years. Um, but I still like the profile from Kansas state. I'm going to keep him around. And so I think the, the understanding is correct that most of these guys do break out in year one, but not all of them do. And I'm reading a book called fooled by randomness and we're not going to get too far into that today, but it talks about like black swan events like people always say things in the stock market aren't predictable. This wasn't predictable. This wasn't predictable, but it's like, yeah, we can't predict the exact event, but we can predict like black swan events are going to happen. Um, and so like, we don't know who these late breakouts are going to be, but we can predict that they are going to happen. So just to completely ignore you know, all that. And this comes back to my point, which is getting long winded here. Um, guys who don't necessarily produce in year one, why are we death knelling Traylon Burks? Because his year one outlook is all of a sudden not looking so great. Yeah. Like who cares? Like if you were a contender in dynasty, yeah, that matters. But like who, who is, why are you, I don't expect anything from rookies beyond a, you know, Todd Gurley or a Saquon or a Jamar Chase. Like I had expectations for Jamar Chase, cool. but beyond that, 
like we gotta we gotta be patient with some of these guys. Yeah, I, that's the thing. People are way out over their skis, you know, expecting breakouts. I look at the I look at the situation with Burks, and yeah, the coach speak isn't great, but there's not a receiver on this roster that's a, a better athlete with more juice in their profile. And again, a guy like Tannehill was a guy that was excellent for receivers that were great after the catch. We know that Traylon Burks was incredible after the catch. We know that Robert Woods has been incredible after the catch, which is something that he rarely gets credit for. Prior to last season, three consecutive years in a row of top 10 yards after the catch performance. The guy's very good at it. And I think that the the key here is just getting the ball in Burke's hands. Like, I don't think that the ceiling of 120 targets is reasonable. I don't think we're going to see that. That's, again, historically if you're a betting man, I'm willing to take the bet, but it's low probability, especially in an offense that's going to ask Tannehill to turn around and hand it to Derrick Henry 400 times. It's just, it's not necessarily the offense, especially with the way that they can play defense counter to the argument for somebody like, you know, Drake London in Atlanta. But here's a guy that is probably the hottest name amongst all the wide receiver names right now. And I'm very curious to get your opinion on him. George Pickens. What is the story with George Pickens? He's been tearing up camp. Looks good in the preseason. He's all the rage right now. What's the story? Yeah. So George Pickens was supposed to be the number one wide receiver in this class. Coming out of high school, five-star recruit, looked like Adonis, went to Georgia, 700 receiving yards in his true freshman season. This guy was supposed to be our guy. And, and, you know, that happened with Zamir White, too. And then he just wasn't. And then he got injuries and played on this Georgia offense that was really limited from a passing perspective. And last year, he had Brock Bowers there, who's going to be an absolute rambling man in the NFL. Um, and he just didn't look like that first-round pick anymore. But now we're seeing him in the NFL, and we're like, oh, yeah. So while this does seem like a lot of hype right now, it's also a lot of, well, he was a second round pick. We know second round picks have pretty much unlimited upside, unlimited ceiling from a statistical perspective. We know he's an immense athlete. We know he's huge. We know Pittsburgh Steelers has an enormous track record of successfully drafting wide receivers. We know Chase Claypool is on the final year of his rookie deal. And it's like, I think the hype is getting pretty heavy. However, um, this would make sense to me, just like DK Metcalf made sense to me a few years ago. If George Pickens ends up being that elite deep threat, that's totally in his range of outcomes from a prospect perspective. So there are a lot of pushback right now of like, well, who is this George? Like George Pickens, he was nothing in college. It's like, well, if you look a little deeper, it's like he kind of was. It just didn't work out because of the injuries and that Georgia offense. So yeah, I'm 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 optimistic, and there are people higher on me, but higher than me. But I'm I'm fine with that. I don't think there's any reason to not be high on George Pickens. There's a couple of reasons here. Obviously, quarterback play in Pittsburgh hasn't been great. Volume has been great, but you know Ben wasn't excellent for anybody down the field. Over the past couple of years, you get Deontay Johnson, who recently signed an extension two years, what, $36.5 million, 27 guaranteed. But you're right on the Claypool take. And here's one thing. We look at Pitt last year. Pitt ran 75% of their plays out of the three wide receivers set. So 
they're all going to be on the field. Pickens is going to be on the field a lot. And you look at last year, well, who played in the slot? Juju played in the slot 65% of the time. And surprisingly, Ray-Ray McLeod, 407 slot snaps last year. So that was the guy. And from all accounts we're hearing now, Claypool likely could go into the slot and play a significant amount from there, which would put Pickens on the outside. Quarterback play, again, being a huge factor, okay? It's hard to it's hard to go back. If you think about some of these other receivers, go ahead. Have at it. All right, so here's my one thing with this, and then I will let you break into the rest of your point. So if you like George Pickens, team situation doesn't matter. Wide receiver depth chart doesn't matter. None of it matters long term. Correct. This year it may matter, but for the same reason... Like, you don't want to be the guy fading A.J. Brown because of Corey Davis. And so that happened. That happened, Dynasty community. Don't deny it. That happened. Um, You don't want to be the guy that fades Reggie Wayne because he won't be a wide receiver one on his rookie deal with Marvin Harrison, right? So this is constantly happening. If a guy is good, he will figure it out. And the coaching staff will make sure uh, the guy gets eat like gets to eat um you know you mentioned the quarterback situation uh in extreme situations that can destroy a career like larry fitzgerald so i'm not here to deny that um the wide receiver specifically though do not fade a wide receiver because of a current depth chart no i i agree look hey I've been killed in the past for hyping up receivers that were in situations that didn't look so glamorous on the surface year one, but that's, that's a great example of the AJ Brown situation with Corey Davis. And to go back to the Vrabel thing, cause I saw somebody in the chat guys, I would love to put the chat comments on the screen, but I can't do it. It's, it's out of my range of outcomes right now. I want to, but somebody had made the comment earlier about how Vrabel is a hard ass and wants to make him work for it. And I put a tweet out the other day, half kidding, but you remember Tajay Sharp coming in and just ruining everything for numerous wide receivers that were on that roster. Vrabel's definitely in that coach cut from the same cloth as New England. I can see him making Burks earn it, but Burks is still great and he's going to become a buy low. All these guys right now that are being suppressed by the media takes are absolute buy lows. I mean, 100% buy low. And in Pickens' case, I totally agree. Has the, you know, the, the extreme early breakout age, freshman production. He's a dog, man. He looks amazing. I, I He could be the guy, and I love the take on don't sleep on these guys just because of year one situation looks clogged. Which brings me to Sky Moore, because I, as a huge Juju Smith fan, like a massive Juju Smith fan, I think he's going to have an exceptional year. I think that there's some concern for people that Juju or some of these other guys on the roster may be an impedance to Sky Moore, but I would argue that this roster may be one of the most available in the future of any that we're going to mention. Yeah, I like Sky Moore. I'm probably not going to be highest on him in any dynasty league or any uh, type of fantasy format. Uh, in best ball, I've been getting a little bit of him here and there for, for year one. Um, basically, I trust Andy Reid. I trust Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid has a long track record of developing wide receivers back to the Deshaun Jackson and our Jeremy Macklin days. So um, I I do trust him. I will say uh, year one, I feel like this might be a committee approach. I do like Juju. That's my thing. They did bring in MVS. Um, 
If you like more, again, you're not worrying about that. I'm just not as highly convicted on more, so I'm a little less bullish on him in year one. But yeah, long term, we really can't deny it. He's got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I mean, you have to like that. Well, you know, and you look at some of these other guys going into next season, Mikko Hardman gone, Juju if he doesn't get extended, and I think KC would be a great place for him to get extended, but let's assume he doesn't. He's gone, Gordon, you know, Justin Watson, all these guys gone. So you could be just looking at MVS who signed that three-year deal, who's literally a deep threat. You go back and look at his A dot. He was top five for three consecutive seasons with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so he is absolutely the deep threat role in this offense. And that leaves Sky Moore, who's looking a lot like his comp on player profiler in Golden Tate, a guy that we saw take carries and be dynamic and, and find his way into the backfield and come in and out of the slot. Like, that's exactly the role you want. It's been a lucrative role in fantasy football, and I'm still very high on Sky Moore again in a KC offense that last year had 675 pass attempts, which was number two in the league, and had the eighth highest rate of three wide receiver sets. So he's going to be on the field. He's going to get his opportunities. He's locked in with Patrick Mahomes. And assuming all these guys that are on this deal right now don't extend here and there's no guarantees that they will. And we don't even know if MVS is going to be any good anyways. Sky Moore could be the guy next to Travis Kelsey, who will be, I believe, 34 next year um, and and eat in a Patrick Mahomes offense, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and I still feel like his hype has been built, but I don't feel like it's as high as some of the other players that we've talked about. Now, here's a guy that had a shitload of hype. And by the way, if you watch my YouTube videos, I never swore without hitting the sensor button. Every time you watch a YouTube video, I would say he had a of stuff going on, right? And that was the situation. And so here though, it's a different show. We can do different things on this show. And that's just a sample. Don't make me turn it up to a 12 rest. Chris Olave though, there was a ton of hype around Chris Olave when the idea was that Michael Thomas was hurt. Now, Michael Thomas is, by all accounts, back, looks healthy. Injuries are always a potential. But what's the thought about Chris Olave in this offense? I think we can agree year one may be more difficult to get that extreme volume out of him. But going forward, is this a similar conversation about don't look so close at today, let's look in the future? Yes. Uh, And also, Olave can run a wide variety of routes. So I'm actually not as worried as some in terms of year one production he can run he can be a deep threat if you want he has four three speed and is a great route runner um he can also run those intermediate routes so while jarvis landry and thomas are going to be you know centered in that intermediate to close to the line of scrimmage range uh we're just going to see olave utilized as a you know deeper target in year one and that's great he's going to be a huge upgrade over marquez calloway and uh, will be a guy who will be productive. Maybe not get that 100 targets in year one, as you mentioned, which is pretty elusive. But I think we'll see a guy who will have some moments and, you know, show that Ohio State, like, uh, you know, I would say nifty in, a, in an exciting way type game. So I could see him doing that, yeah. Look, and we've got people in the chat right now saying, don't, don't fade. What does it say? Don't fade Miko entirely. I don't think anybody's fading Miko entirely. I'm just saying there's a chance that he doesn't get extended at the end of the year when his rookie contract is up. And this is a team in Kansas city. That's projected to be top 12 next year in salary cap space, about 9 million over the, or under the cap. 
So I'm just saying, look, don't sleep on Sky Moore. They took him for a reason. He's not the deep threat that Miko is, but Miko hasn't been a successful deep threat either, and he hasn't been a high-volume weapon. Look, in best ball, I love Miko, and I've been drafting him everywhere, but it's fair to say that his his ceiling, and we've been talking about guys that might not hit year one, year two, year three, his ceiling may not be what we had expected because I don't think we've seen very many flares along the way. Nothing's really... To me, nothing's really signaled that, hey, this guy is going to be a monster at some point. And clearly they keep adding weapons that seem to be taking away from the role that he was once sort of established to have. Now, Russ. You've got mail. Russ. Oh. Russ, we've got shit going down on the show. As you can see, we've got mail, Russ. Oh. We've got mail. Oh. So I was going to ask you a question. I haven't gotten an email notification like that in a while. Well, this will be an interesting one. I want to see what this thing has to... Oh, and it's dedicated to you, Russ. It says, Russell Clay, show yourself. In 2016, you convinced me that Corey Coleman was the hottest thing since Pam Anderson. Well, that's a a dated reference. I need a (laughs) do-over. Who is the 2022 rookie wide receiver to own? Oh, Dave K. He's been with me for a while. I was a huge Corey Coleman guy out of uh, Baylor, electric profile, and just absolutely stunk up the show. Uh, it kind of came out later. He had some off the field stuff, but you know, in hindsight, I don't think he was ever quite that first round pick that uh, that we wanted him to be. Um, in terms of the 2022 class, Garrett Wilson's pretty locked in for me as my wide receiver one. Um, I don't, I don't think it's really that, that close. Um, and yeah, when you look at Ohio State, when you look at what he did there with him, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith Najiba, who I really love as well for next year. So that might be, you know, him and Kayshawn Booty. Uh, we might be looking at the 2023 wide receiver ones there. But uh, yeah, in terms of Garrett Wilson, you know, again, another muddy year one situation. I'm fine with buying um, that muddy year one situation. I think we might see a late season breakout. People love Elijah Moore. And what I'm going to tell you is if, if I like Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver one in this class, then I think he's going to be better than Elijah Moore. <laughs> Um, in his career so really there you go so i'm higher there you go that's my take and so that's what we got to deal with here i'm not worried about Corey davis as a potential uh you know he's just basically a traffic cone for garrett wilson here well no okay and and it's fair because you look at elijah moore last year as the number one weapon in this offense this is the team that was top 13 in pass attempts And Elijah Moore averaged basically seven targets per game, which over the course of an NFL season is about 120 targets, which is tough to make it inside of the, you know, the top 12 wide receivers on that limited amount of targets, unless you're a big play, you know, explosive guy, Tyler Lockett, you know, Tyreek Hill, these types of guys that can do it. And I think that was roughly an 18.6% target share. So not immensely high either. A guy like Wilson, I mean, I could see him having that Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, Stephon Diggs sort of year one range, 70 to 90 targets. I don't think that that's a crazy number either. I think that's a fair estimation for a team that might be missing their quarterback uh, for you know a good part of the early part of the season here, the first couple of weeks. 
We've got veterans that are apparently going to step in and support him. And one big thing that I want to point out is last year, this was a team that ranked number 32 in rush attempts. So they go and draft Brees Hall very clearly. They're making a concerted effort to establish the run more than they had in the past. It's hard to win football games if you can't run the ball. And I think Brees Hall was a clear signal that they want to do that in the future. That necessarily means that that top 13 passing attempt does have to balance out. And I think this is a team we could see push more towards, you know, 17 to 20 in pass attempts, which sort of lowers the ceiling as a whole. Russ, what do you think about that? Well, I'll bring up sort of uh, along this same line, Zach Wilson right now. We're in a weird, weird range. And, you know, I've been watching football and kind of tracking this stuff for, what, 20 20 years now. And we're in a really vulnerable time for his career because he struggled in year one. There's huge expectations coming into this year. They got him all the weapons. They got a much better situation. Uh, One of his offensive linemen is already out for the year. He's banged up, and we've seen this so many times with young, high-pedigree guys. They're banged up, but they'll be back. They'll be back. He's going to be back soon. He'll probably, he might be back by week two, week three. And then they rush back, and you know, if Zach Wilson's playing hurt this year and he doesn't play well again, we're going to have a two-year sample of him being terrible. And you know, maybe he is. But there's also like the odds of him just playing hurt this year and not necessarily coming to fruition as the prospect we thought he was like that's heightened significantly. He's not going to be 100 percent when he's first getting back into action this year. Uh, So that's a problem. That is a problem. So I'm I'm worried about Zach Wilson more so than the rest of the offense right now. But there is. um, Yeah. So that's, that's my take there. And as far as Garrett Wilson, I I'm pricing in that it might be ugly for the first couple of years, but like you said, I think there'll be moments and Hey, if he can get to that Joe Flacco targeting him, like Torrey Smith back in the day, throw lobbing up meatballs. I'm in, I'm in, let's do it. I, okay. Let me give you a wide receiver stat because I, I want to continue to drop stats that I think don't get mentioned and haven't been heard. Let's go back to 2000. I wanted a 21 year sample here. We're starting at 2000. That is the threshold since 2000, 439 wide receivers have been selected rounds four through seven. Okay. So just thinking about some of these later drafted options that I hear popping up often of those 439 wide receivers, only 41 times has a 15 fantasy point per game or greater season been achieved. Of those 41 times, they were done by 16 players. So when we start talking about some of these other guys in the future, some of these later round selections, four to seven, it is like an absolute death sentence. So when we're talking about guys like Garrett Wilson that might have a slow start, that's not a surprise to me whatsoever, especially in the offense that they're in. I like the take on Wilson. I think a lot of people had Wilson as their wide receiver one in the class. And for some people, it hasn't changed. I know the landing spot wasn't great, but I digress. Can I ask you about Jamison Williams? Are you a fan of him? Is he just another one of these speed guys that's undersized for you? Or do you actually see some sort of future potential? That's a weird one because he basically got kicked out of the Ohio State wide receiver room. Um, The context there is that there was three future first round picks there. Um, but he did leave, went to this Alabama team that, uh, you know, didn't quite have the same, 
uh, situation. But I, I do like Williams as an NFL player, uh, but there probably is a Ted Ginn range of outcomes for him where he becomes like that very valuable NFL wide receiver, maybe not so valuable for fantasy. But I also think, you know, with Goff, that type of quarterback, I do think we could see some some big shots um, down the field from him starting this year. So, um, you know, it's tough with the major injury happening literally in the bowl game. Um, so we don't have a good runway for him right now in year one. And again, he's another one. Is he going to be rushing back from this injury? And then maybe he looks terrible. Um, so he's starting to drop in value. If it drops too much further, I will be buying. Um, also I do want to laugh about the, uh, the, uh, Tyler wrote, wow, Corey Coleman, you owe Dave. I definitely owe Dave at least like a sandwich or so. Maybe not even a beer, but maybe at least a sandwich or something, right? It better be a pretty long goddamn sandwich. Better be like one of those three foot sandwiches that nobody's ever bought from Subway. That, Bro, I, mean, I was a. Oh, what a, I feel like I feel like I was a cult leader, and I led them. I was having them like drink this uh, this type of marmalade that they lose their toes with. You know what I mean? Russ, listen, nobody's pied pipered a worse situation than I have. So don't feel bad. Okay. You don't have a worse, a worse, you know, uh, uh, placard hanging over your head for life of a player that you touted yeah. that didn't yeah. fire than I do. Okay. So Jameis Williams, that's a fair take comparative to Christian Watson of these two players. Who do you prefer? Uh, Williams. Yeah. Okay. Williams. Um, uh, I, again, so here's my bias and I think we all have biases. I am biased towards power five conference prospects. Uh, I found that to be very successful for me over the last couple decades. Uh, and you know, Christian Watson second round picks. So we value that. And, you know, maybe there's, you know, high upside there, but people are buying, the Aaron Rodgers to Christian Watson thing. But my thought is, okay, what if he's not a year one or year two guy, then Rodgers is gone. And then you're dealing with Jordan love on a run heavy AJ Dillon offense. And then, you know, maybe you eventually do get Christian Watson as sort of that, you know, special like athleticism freak guy. But what does that look like uh, when Rodgers is retired and there's a whole new offense that's sort of, I think they want to be a little more run heavy. So I don't know. Right. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to laugh. We had Franz Franz in the chat. Franz Franz. Yeah, I saw it. It said, Nate, we all have our scarlet letters. Yes. It, it wasn't good. Uh, I'm going to wear it like a badge of honor though. I'm not yet going to give up on that take. Uh, that's something that I'm going to take to the death with me. That's. Oh, Russ, I told you to silence you your that? phone on this. That's I'm sorry, man. Yeah. That's my Hold phone. On. That's me, That's Russ. That's me. Why who this is? Hello? A what? How'd you get this number? A social media call out? Get the Russ. It's time. Yeah. I Who just got it? a call on this. I don't know. He didn't give me his name. He said that it was time to do a social media call out. So I guess that's what we're doing. Everyone in this room is now dumber. Oh! 
so Russ, I've got a tweet to pull up for you to show you that I was absolutely shocked when I saw it. Blew me away. And I want to get your take on it right now, live on the show. Russ, here it is. Andrew Filipponi. I think Kenny Pickett Ooh. is better than Kyler Murray. This is a real tweet that took place. This mm. is a real tweet that took place, Russ. And yes, I do have a landline phone, everybody. Uh, Russ, can we talk yeah. about this tweet for a minute? Hold on. I'm. Yo, let's I'm bring it back up. Let's do that. The there it is. It flies in. Yeah. Let's Andrew Filipponi, more like Andrew Filipponi. Am I right? <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's a fair comment, by the way. Also, somebody said that the phone, the phone needs to be on the desk. I apologize. I'll move it to the desk in the future. That's a great addition from the chat. Thank you. Cody says crack is real. And it is. How can he possibly say that Kenny Pickett is better than Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray is an absolute savage at the NFL level. Is this the definition of clickbait? Yeah, but also... It's that time of year for uh, for us to fire off our bad takes. Uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's a strange one that I don't think we can use yet. He was uh, third third uh, team snaps until basically today. So yeah, we gotta we gotta hone that in there there on that uh, <laughs> that old take. Sports media is so trash. All right, Russ, let's let's talk about late round running backs for a second here because this yeah. this has truly been the the rage of all topics. I mean, this is the one that my timeline is absolutely pilfered with. I don't know if yours has been. I'm about ready to start muting a handful of these player names, but I'd love to get your take on it. There are a few names that I actually like that were selected. And when I talk about late round, I'm going to say fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, anything after round three, at least for me and my terminology. Is that kind of how you would present it? Yes. Uh, Rounds one through three, we're looking at pretty high odds here for future success. And then rounds four and beyond, we're basically looking for one or two good years. And then uh, the show's wrapping up. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about some of these names. I, okay. I, true or false? Damian Pierce is, is for real. Uh, false. Well, what do you mean by real? Can, I, I, he, can he be number one in an NFL committee? In year one, sure. Is he good? No, not really. I mean, can he be a Devonte Freeman like talent in a non-optimized offense? Sure, but long term, like he's not a guy I'm pricing in as like a five-year stud. He's just like, can he get two years with a thousand yards from scrimmage? Maybe at his absolute highest range outcomes. Yeah, I think, okay, and I think that's fair. The one thing I will say about him, this is obviously a guy that you go back and look at the advanced metrics, incredibly elusive, a guy that had very high marks and yards created after contact. I mean, clearly he's a bruiser. He's got better hands, and I think he's been given credit for, especially when you look at his yards per route run. I believe he was top three in all of college football last year for draft eligible players. So he checks a lot of boxes, elusive, you know, can run the routes. It has soft hands has a very thin depth chart, obviously a very bad depth chart as well. There's This is a brutal place to be in terms of talent around him. But I'm with you. I think that Damian Pierce of the names that we're going to talk about here is one of the few guys that I could see having a year one, year two um, sort of career trajectory. But if you're expecting anything beyond that, then you've probably not been paying attention to the data, which is something I know you pay attention to, Russ. So what do you have on this subject? Yes. 
Okay, so let's get some facts out there. So since 2000, right, all the fourth-round running backs that there have been, 2.2% finished year one with over 1,000 total yards. So we're seeing Damian Pierce basically get priced in as, you know, at this point after the good training camp reports as like, all right, this guy's going to be the leader in this backfield. We're getting an RB2 season out of him. Um, can he hit that? Sure, I guess, but the odds are really, really low for fourth round guys. I think the better thought process on him is maybe saying, can I get four or five starts out of him in my fantasy league this year? That feels reasonable. Um, but now that he's starting to get out of that zero RB range and get into like standalone value range, that's where I'm starting to say, Hey, Hey, you're having your good. Hey, hey, get out of there. He's, yeah, you know he's, saying? Get he's out of there. one of the running backs that, you know, I have a little bit of confidence in. But again, going back and setting some thresholds, I looked at 15 fantasy points per game um, from running backs drafted rounds four through seven since 2000. There have only been nine running backs out of the fourth round to post at least 15 fantasy points per game across the course of one single season. So it's pretty low odds. And oh, so we've got mm. porn bots in the chat. Nate, yeah, hold on, Nate. We got a we got a uh, plug from our oh. sponsor, sixty nine mega dot com. Um, they they say, do you want to find love? I certainly do. Our AI will help. AI love on Nate. Li Nate, you didn't tell me you had sponsors. We have we have bots on this show. Well, it's better to go sign up at sixty nine ultra dot com. It's a better website than what they're out there peddling. But. Russ, all right, let's move on because I think that I think there's a lot of names on here that that people are way out over their skis on. So let's go ahead and just let's just jump to it right now. Let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco sure. for a second. Because this is the name. Seventh round running back, Landon and KC. An immense amount of hatred for my scarlet letter, Clyde Edwards Alaire. And I think that that's a massive driver as part of this as well. I think a lot of people think that Clyde Edwards likely stinks. Uh, I think they're not afraid of Ronald Jones, looking at the rest of this backfield. Pacheco, seventh round guy, what's the reality here? The reality is that since 2000, no running back drafted in the seventh round has produced 1,000 total yards in their rookie season. Zero. Um, so that's the facts. There's always going to be outliers. And let me just say, Pacheco, fun player. He was a fun player at Rutgers too. And you'd watch those games and you'd say, my God, this guy is fun. Get him out of this offense. He would make this 40 yard run and it'd be like, all right, first down Rutgers. The score is 66 to three Ohio State. And you'd be like, oh, this right. sucks. Right. And him and Bo Melton, shout out right. to Bo Melton as well. Uh, you know, those guys were kind of carrying that Rutgers offense last couple of years so pacheco is a fun guy and it makes total sense that he'd make an nfl roster and maybe you know become the third down back and all that good stuff but we gotta chill here as this adp starts to you know balloon up i mean he was in the 200s on underdog just a few weeks ago now he's getting into the 150s and trending much higher um, I like him. I also like McKinnon, though, and I think CEH is the starter to start the year. And like we've seen the last couple years, 
you know, Daryl Williams has been the most productive guy in that backfield and he hasn't been that great. So we could just see a committee again with Edwards Hilaire leading that with like 200 touches and then just nobody wins. So I like Pacheco and I think he's better than Darwin Thompson, but I think we have to listen to that cautionary tale of everyone hyping up the sixth round pick to uh you know overcome the immense the odds of pacheco doing this are immense and maybe he's that guy to become the outlier there are outliers again we can plan for black swan events but you know him being a featured back is just you know that'd be yeah well i mean you're you're right i think what happens is it's obviously going to come down to a backfield where it's going to be most likely a committee approach. You're going to have players of different dynamic capabilities. You're going to have different looks. Health is always in question. I, I don't think the idea that Pacheco was going to run. I, I'm not even going to quote what I've heard about Pacheco because it's just so absolutely fucking insane. But I get the reason that everybody's in love with him. And if even 5% of the reason that you love Pacheco is because you hate Clyde Edwards and you're doing it wrong because you're ignoring the fact that this is definitely a seventh round guy in an offense that is driven a million percent by the passing game. So, uh, you know, in fantasy football, in dynasty, if you're playing, you know, best ball redraft, if you're in redraft leagues, great. Yeah, absolutely. Roster, whatever. If you're in dynasty, if you can get even close to a second round pick for this guy right now or package him into a deal, I would absolutely move him because you clearly got him for free. This is the thing that kills me. You know what? Hobby horse. This is the thing that kills me, Russ, about people is that they'll get these guys for basically free and then they'll hold on to them till they're free again. You know what I mean? They'll get the guy and he'll shoot up to like a second round value. They got him for free and they'll just hold and hold and hold and hold until he's worth nothing all over again. And it's like, what are you waiting for? If Isaiah Pacheco on your roster is the difference between you winning or not winning the league, your team sucks. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we've seen this before, uh, Nate. You know, Philip Lindsay was awesome as a U- undrafted free agent, crushed it in his rookie year. So, again, those outliers are going to happen. Uh, it's just... Did he ever gain traction from a dynasty perspective? He never really crested that round eight startup pick. So the value was never really turning into, you know, market value. You got a great year one from a guy for nothing, but, um, you know, that type of perceived value. I look at Chris Carson too, you know, he was the, the one seventh round pick from this past decade that really emerged. Yep. Uh, and that perceived value never really quite matched his actual production. He was great on your roster, but uh, for a couple years, but you know, it was, it was kind of ugly there. Russ, that's exactly, that's exactly it. That's a great point. And this rarely gets mentioned on any podcast that I've listened to that even when these guys are garnering immense hype and that value starts to percolate a little bit and things are getting a little better, the reality is when somebody's like, oh man, you're so lucky you have Pacheco on your roster. You're like, well, you could be on your roster. And then they're like, whoa, no, no, I'm not going to send you a <laughs> second awesome. round pick. Like, right there. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, it's like truth serum. Go try and trade them. Find out. Right. Like this is the reality of the situation because as much as you want to have inherent bias, the minute 
the Nerf gun is to your head and someone goes, well, take him off my roster. You realize, well, what are the odds that a seventh round guy in this offense is going to fire? And it's like very low. And he may have some moments. And for a lot of analysts, those moments are going to be like the, the giant flag plant. Like, look what I told you he was going to do. And then when we zoom out on his nine game career, you're going to see the two games that he scored 11 fantasy points. And you're going to be like, well, there we go. That's exactly what we expected to happen. So, Sell the hype on Pacheco. And again, this has nothing to do with this profile. It's just the reality of the situation that how many NFL teams passed on a guy that they knew exactly who he was, did the work on him and said, nope, not this guy. Nope, not this guy. And this goes into why this research is so important and why having context of the draft round is so important. Because then we get to appreciate Pacheco making this roster. Most seventh rounders, get cut instantly. They are never a thing. They never get a headline because they just never make a splash at all. So the fact is he's already like way out producing what his career was expected to be just even being in the headlines. Um, So if he, what are the correct expectations here? If he starts five games in his career, he's crushing it. Like yeah, that's the true. expectation. And if he ever has a season with over 600 total yards, he's a monster. Like he's a monster. Most of these guys are never going to be game day actives. And this is one of those survivorship bias things. We forget about the 75 running backs other than Chris Carson in the last decade. They are just never a thing. And then we only remember, you know, some of these guys that hit. So appreciate on one hand, we appreciate Pacheco, this seventh round kid out of Rutgers making roster. And then we also say from a dynasty perspective, like, all right, that's uh, this is enough here. That's where I draw the line. Like you said, when, when you look at it on your roster, you're like, wait, okay, what is, yeah. what's going on here? It, it becomes real. Like, look, I want to be able to click this. I'm going to try clicking another comment from the chat, but I'm scared of the results. God damn it. Oh God. Oh, Brutal. I wanted to put that on there. <laughs> Couldn't do it. it. The comment was from LRU. Uh, maybe I'm too high on him, but I think CEH is due for a decent season. That's the one. That's the one thing that never comes up when we talk about Pacheco or these other guys. Nobody ever goes. What if Clyde Edwards puts it together this year? What if he's actually decent? And then what happens? Then he's going to get a ton of opportunity, and all of this is for naught. But I think the continued narrative and drum that's being beaten is that he stinks. Ronald Jones isn't good. This roster's got a bunch of older players that have sort of fired, not fired, and other destinations. And so by the math, string theory, tie yourself in a pretzel, Pacheco has to necessarily be the guy, right? Is that where we go with this? Hold on. I just noticed I had something in the side of my mouth. So there's a nice little... Did you get it? Yeah, I got it. It's out now. It's gone. Wow. Wow, that's great. That's on the podcast now, and it's locked on the <laughs> internet for life. I'm going to give you three other names here side by side. And yeah. da- talk about <laughs> how you passed on CEH for the superior Chase Edmonds. Ooh. Oh, John Cole. Love John Cole. Uh, Blitzing Buzzard in the Discord, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's a beast. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great in there. By the way, oh, let's do that. You know, join the Discord. Link Ooh. in the description. Uh I was faced with a choice, Clyde Edwards or mm-hmm. Chase Edmonds in a draft recently. It's a best ball draft. And 
after smoking numerous cigarettes out in my futuristic city, uh, I decided that, you know, with some conversations that I would go chase Edmonds. And it makes sense. I think his, the, the ceilings could be, cl- if Clyde Edwards hit, the ceilings could be close. But I understand the allure of Chase Edmonds. And I really don't even want to talk about this. It feels gross to me. It's not a conversation I really want to back my way into. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah. I wish I could have put this tweet up on the screen. Okay, I'm going to give you three more names because I think these three as a group have a lot of similarities. I think each one of these guys is behind a very talented running back, which makes their hype even more curious to me. But that's, uh, what is it? Jerome Ford, fifth round to Cleveland. Julius Chestnut, undrafted free agent to Tennessee. And Jalen Warren, undrafted free agent to Pitt. So we've got guys behind Nick Chubb, freak. We've got guys behind Derrick Henry freak, and we've got guys behind Najee Harris, who's clearly mm. a talented runner in his own right. So different than maybe Damian Pierce, different than maybe Pacheco, the hype on them is a little less because people realize, oh, crap, they're behind stud players. So again, we want to pick these guys up the waiver wire. We want them quick. We want them. We want Jalen Warren right now. I, I will spend a lot in my dynasty league on the waiver wire trying to get him for free. And that's where it's at. That That's where it ends for me. If I yeah. can get him for free, I'm all in, right? And the same thing with Pacheco. I got him in a bunch of like fifth rounds of rookie drafts. <laughs> what did you just drink there? The coldest coffee of all time. Warren is yeah. the one you want. Dr. B. Harris. I agree. I agree. I want Warren too. He was interesting. I'm with it. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. in. I'm in for free. For free. Well, used to be free. If you go look at sleepers yeah. trending players, uh, he's certainly creeping up. The preseason is what sort of uncovers sort of these yeah. gems. They get a bit of exposure. Whether they're ever gonna do anything is right. left to the imagination, but that rock yeah. gets uncovered and then suddenly, you know, these names start to surface. Um, but he's a doctor, so there you go. You do what He's you're damn well told. We trust that. Um, so in terms of all these guys, though, again, we have the con we know the answers to the test already. For the most part. We know there's gonna be outliers, but for the most part, we know these guys are not gonna be good. They're gonna stink from a fantasy perspective almost every time. So yeah. that's that's the reality of the situation, Russ. And again, looking back at some of the data for these players, again, looking at just 15 fantasy points per game over the last 21 years in the fifth round, you had three guys, I believe in the sixth round, maybe three guys. It's just such a rare instance. So anytime you can get this hype, you can't try to convince yourself that this is it. This is the one this, this right. time, this time, every time I go, you know, past that wall where the boxing glove comes out of the hole and hits me in the face and knocks me into the water, I get, you know, I, I get the impact, but this time when I walk by it, there will be no boxing glove, but I think that we've seen it far too many times. And I was looking at all the players over the last six years that have done the same thing from the fourth round or later, if you're digging into the data and the guys like Aaron Jones, the guys like Devonta Freeman really muddy the signal because they are a huge portion of the recent, like significant RB production yeah. over the last couple of years. Right. So and I don't even think people are necessarily chasing a Devonta Freeman profile. I think if a guy like that showed up today, you'd be like, eh, maybe. So the game has changed a lot, Russ. All right. Speaking of games, 
We got to do deal breakers. So I told people that we were going to do dynasty trades. The deal breakers section is where we're going to break down a few trades. I've got two in this episode that I want to ask you about, get your opinion on. So let's do that. So Russ, let's talk about trade number one for a second right here. Throw that change down if you're going to make a trade like that. We've got George Pickens or what I believe is supposed to be a late 2023 first round rookie pick. Mm -hmm. Russ. Yes. See the graphic. Pickens or the pick. Pickens or the pick. Who would you take in this scenario? All right. So... These are bad questions for Russ because Russ needs to throw context into everything. This is totally dependent on what that 2023 first round roster looks like. If so, I like to target 2023 first. Sometimes the roster is perceived as a contender, but it's really thin. Like it has a good starting lineup, but it's thin. So if that roster is thin, I'll probably take the 2023 third but if it's not i'm gonna go with pickens here because you said this is gonna be a late round pick and i trust your judgment so i'm gonna go with pickens just because i feel like i actually do think his value is gonna sustain itself so i'm going with pickens but if that roster's thin and i'm like this could potentially be a top four or five pick i'll I'll probably uh take that shout out to the good people that recognize the graphics they're only going to get better. I, I'm not even reaching into the bag on this one. Although I'm reaching into the bag because Russ is a great guy. Russ, here's my take on it. If you're taking the late 2023 first over Pickens, aren't you essentially basically trading Pickens for another wide receiver? I mean, because we know that great running backs, and mm. some guys could leak in like we saw with Rashad White this year, but you're kind of ending up in a situation where you might be looking at a guy that's in a relatively similar situation, probably a second round type wide receiver, maybe a a fringe first round guy. We've seen two years ago, we watched first round wide receivers leak into the late first, second round type area. But I think we've seen enough from George Pickens. And I think I would agree that he's the, you know, he's the uh, response to Claypool sort of maybe not fully living up to the hype, even though Claypool is a super freak athlete and, I think that there's definitely a potential role for him, but I would agree. I'm going to go Pickens over the pick here because I think there's a gem there very clearly with Pickens. So if you have a five, Uh oh, I cut it off. No, I cut off the graphic. No, you overran my, you overran. Do I even have a sounder for that? I need a, go, go, go. I don't have a, I don't have a sounder for that. I was there we go. There's right. I'm running. I'm running out of sounders. I didn't realize I was going to get my graphic, which I've spent hours cooking up, by the way, hours. I didn't realize it was going to get overrun by you on this episode. Oh no. That's okay. So what were you going to say now? I I hope people didn't see this yet. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you have a 5% chance at Bijan, then that's kind of what I'm looking at. There. Are you thinking I, if this first ends up earlier than I'm presenting it? Like much yeah, that's earlier? Like if you get a 5% much, much. chance at Bijan, then you're in. So I ruined I ruined your graphic for that shitty anecdote. So how about how far, that? Oh, respect the that? graphic, Russ. Thank you. <sighs> People in the chat get it. Damn it, Russ. <laughs> All right, here we go. 
Graphic number two. And by the way, do you hear the change falling with it? Now you can see the difference here. What I've done with this graphic, if you look closely at slide number two, what I've done is I've put the pick above the player and then the information's down below them. These are spicy graphics, by the way. Take that, PFF. Hire me already. All right. We've got Electric. a 2023 first round. I believe it's a late first. And Chris Olave, a player that we talked about here recently, or... T. Higgins. Now, Russ, before you answer, let me change oh, wow. the screen. Boom. The package for T. Higgins. What's it going to be, Russ? Wow. I need to get some thinking music. That's. Can, Can we I get, get some, some answers from the music? chat before Russ answers? Chat. The package or T. Higgins. Let's bring the graphic back up. Wow. The package. Or that's an electric Yeah. All right, we're jumping back in. Anton knows me so well. He's he's dead on. I am a package guy. I'm the package guy. I play in best ball dynasty leagues now. I'm the, the package the guy. The crowd is kind of split right um, now, by the way. Uh, we got okay, a lot of a lot of votes for T are coming in. A lot of mail-in voters again. coming in right now. Doctor said T. All right, you know what? Yeah. You know what, Nate? I'm I'm a package guy, and I'm not afraid to say it. I'm I'm a package <laughs> Every guy. Every time you say package, I'm doing it. Uh, I I um there's like like Dynasty Barry said, there's more leverage with the package, more chances to hit. If you're a contender, though, you're probably keeping Higgins, right? Like if you need Higgins, you're probably not doing this. It's really hard. I, Dynasty Barry is is the man, by the way. Super smart, sharp player. So he, he's a value guy. Him and I have talked privately on the Discord numerous times. I'm also obligated every time I say Discord to do this. Links Bang. in the description. You know, jump into the Discord. Uh, I totally agree. I think T, T's the guy. Um, you know, I've looked at some data. I've got a podcast next week. We're really going to dive into some of the metrics that support what the expectation going forward for Joe Burrow might be. I think that there's a guarantee with T Higgins. That's the hard part here, right? Like Chris Olave could end up being any number of these wide receivers that we've seen through history end up, a, you know, a good, not great player, not elite player, at least um, where, and that pick, we don't know what that pick is either. That pick could bust. How many draft classes, Russ? I mean, even the hit rate on first round wide receivers. Do you have that in front of you? What's the hit rate on a first round wide receiver? Yeah, so you know, hit rate is a is a funny way to look at it because you know, one season of 800 receiving yards, you're looking at like a 66% chance, I think, um from a first rounder, 67% chance of an 800-yard season. So 33% of first round wide receivers have not had one. They finished with none. Um, that may have been increased in the last decade. I looked at that, but yeah, you're basically looking at a 45% chance of two seasons with 800 receiving yards, 33% chance of three and like a quarter chance of four or more. Um, so you're saying most of these guys just fade into oblivion or most of them do not reach the expectations of fantasy players. Yeah. So 800 receiving yards. What is that? Like a, like a top 35 wide receiver. So like Marcus Wheaton had an 800 receiving yard season 
for perspective. So there you go. And everyone thinks Marcus Wheaton stinks. Nobody, but he counts as a hit in this baby. (laughs) Well, your threshold makes it so. Congratulations, you did it. Now, I I, Dynasty Barry's points are very true. I think this really plays into sort of the the ideals of the dynasty player. If you're the guy that wants the sure thing, then T. Higgins is very clearly always going to probably be your option here. But if you're the guy that believes, hey. Olave has the draft capital. No situation is ever completely set, especially this, you know, New Orleans situation. Got a future pick, which is currency and a draft class, which is going to have immense hype come next draft season. Then maybe you would go with the package. So I, I think, I think it's possible that, uh, that any, any, any number of options for people works. I think for me personally, I'm a T Higgins guy. I would go with T just because, yeah. I'd rather have the guarantee. I'm also not often a guy who trades away his future picks right off the bat. So same. So if I've got a few, I typically try to hold up until the draft, right? Like, you know, unless there's a a deal that's just too good to pass on, you're going to hold it towards the draft because that currency goes up. So for me, I'm probably going T Higgins. um, But I I agree with a lot of these points in the chat. I wish I could click. I'm going to do it, but it's going to hurt again. Oh God. Oh, it's like hooking carb charger jumper cables to your nipples every time i do that just because i can't it's not showing up i'm gonna fix this guys it's gonna be way better look how red i am in the neck is that my look at this that's my mike glennon neck look at that whoa oh your blood pressure bro jesus the show is called i'm outraged russ get with the program dude all right so (laughs) geez i'm just saying russ this is this is literally where it goes down. Okay, Russ, I think that it's time that uh, that we get to the game, right? I think I think we got to get to the game here as we're as we're closing out this show. We've talked about a lot of these late round guys. Um, we've talked about these these wide receivers in this class. I, I have to stop mid thought here because Cody says Olave in the first, and it's not close. And it's wow. not close, man. I, Cody, we're I'm talking to Cody next week. I'd love to rehash this conversation after I use some of the metrics that he actually put on Player Profiler to counter that statement. Can I will we, do that next week live. It on says show. I'm in off-air mode, off-air audio mode. Oh God, I see it. On air. We both got on muted. Air. We're back. How did that even happen? We're back. Are we back? Yeah, we we're muted? back. I think there's a weird we thing going on. I it's Nate not muted. gonna we're, Nate no, muted. we're back. What what happened was, oh man, see this is this is a thing. This is gonna be a thing we're back. that I'm gonna that I'm gonna have to work through. We're we're back. I apologize. What I was saying, what I was saying originally was that Cody, Cody, as much as I agree with that take, you're on the show next week. We're gonna talk about this. I'm gonna use metrics from Player Profiler. To counter that very statement, get your paperwork ready. It's going down next week on the show. So, Russ, listen, you're the first person to ever play the game on this show. And the game is called third and 20. Now, third and 20 means you got three questions. You have to answer them all correctly in 20 seconds. And if you do, Russ, if you answer all three questions correctly... In 20 seconds, Russ, I, Nathan Liss, am going to put on the line 
my very own $500 cash. Cody, you're going to have a shot at this next week too. Wow. There's no chance you guys are winning. It's right there. I'm going to send you the briefcase and everything. I'm going to first class mail it to you right here. Here's the briefcase, Russ. Well, let me just tell you, you're in trouble because I'm an experienced meal or no meal player. So, well, I can tell you, I didn't accidentally put any of these questions on the show sheet. So, uh, what we're going to do is, of course, we got to start with an intro. And he misses it. That's impossible. Oh, my God. That is impossible. Oh, the coffee's still bad, though. The coffee's still just so bad. Oh, God. Why did I even do that? All right, Russ. So here's the deal. Here's how the game works. Three questions. Got to get them all right. 20 seconds. You got to do it before the buzzer goes off. Are you ready to play? Let me get third... my chi. Let me get my chi. <sighs> okay. Okay. Here we go, Russ. Let's play third and 20. Russ, what is your favorite color? Green. That's correct. Russ, what team does Saquon Barkley play for? New York Giants. Beautiful. Russ, how far is Earth from Venus? Yes. (laughs) I am not ready to give this money up just yet. Cody, little taste for you of what's coming for you in the future. No freebies on this show. There's no freebies. We're not giving these away for free. I'm not just going to give away $500 and make it easy. So, Cody, you better get your uh, space facts ready because at any given moment, uh, less than a light year, it's 150 million miles. You know what that reminded me of? That last question reminded me of when I walked up to do my buddy's best man speech. And all the bits I had, it was just like, oh, yeah, this isn't going how I wanted it to go. <laughs> yes, 150 million miles is correct, Franz. Maybe we'll bring you on an episode. I'll give you a, an outer space question. All right, wow. Russ, I appreciate you coming on, man. I think we dove into a lot of stuff. This was the first episode. Obviously, I've got some some tweaks in here. Like I said, I didn't really reach into the bag too deep. I've got some fun stuff to break out in the future for people Chat, I appreciate you guys showing up, being here. I will absolutely in the future get these damn buttons working. What? You can't start the timer until you get yeah. the first question. You yeah. don't make the rules. Yeah. You don't set the rules. You can't. Listen, Cody, next week I'm, I'm going to change it to third and 15 for that. Again, the game's getting changed next week. I'm not letting this happen. Not on my watch. Yeah, I'm phoning France. All right. Russ, thank you so much for coming on. Russ, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Russell J. Clay. And also you can find me on uh, on uh, fantasyguru.com. All my content's over there. We have a pretty fun uh, Discord in there if you're into season-long stuff. And uh, yeah, check out the YouTube. We got like 160 subscribers over on the Russell Clay uh, YouTube. So go uh, check that out. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Russ has been hustling. Uh, it's something him and I talk about a lot. It's like part part of the reason I've been like working so hard on these graphics and stuff. It's all sort of related to YouTube. Um, but this is going to be where a lot of my content comes from in the future. I really appreciate, honestly, everybody for checking the show out, man. Um, I want to truthfully, I want to lean into what content creators do great. That's why I'm excited to have Cody on next week because 
I think Cody is just really exceptional at what he does from a scouting perspective, Ooh. from an understanding of on-field um, quantifying metrics. So it's going to be a lot of fun to have him on. And I, I, I give me feedback, guys. Leave some comments in here, man. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Um, I want to continue to enhance it, tweak it, um, make it fun all the time. So feel free to give me feedback because ultimately, man, I, I want to create something entertaining. So Russ, thank you for coming on. The audience, thank you guys for listening. And if you want this in podcast format, damn it, Russ, you should have told me this in the beginning. This podcast will drop every Friday, uh, first thing in the morning. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, iTunes. I don't know where else you can get podcasts. It'll be there um, in a very similar format to what you heard tonight. So again, thank you guys so much uh, for checking the show out. And we will be back Next week, and Cody Carpentier will be on to argue T. Higgins versus the package and probably get an outer space question wrong. Bye. Mm.